Hi everyone, welcome back to Kindergarten Kept Simple, the podcast where we talk about all things early learning. Today we're going to be talking about something that has been coming up a lot more lately, especially in my email inbox. I've been getting a bunch of people emailing me asking for different ideas on how to really increase the engagement in their classroom while not reinventing the wheel and really keeping their workload at a minimum. And my number one advice for this is kind of divided into three parts. First of all, we have the embracing of a highly structured routine and repetitive planning that you can recycle the same sorts of things over and over again with just small tweaks. Second of all, I like to talk about using that structure we just talked about with workshop style teaching and really focusing on one type of whole group per day of the week and then cycling through that planning. And the last piece of this three-part puzzle in my advice to them is really to focus on co-planning and co-creating with our littles. And that is exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. The other two things we'll touch on in some future episodes, but for now, we're going to focus on co-creating because it can seem daunting and overwhelming, but it's really great once you wrap your head around it and once it becomes part of your normal teaching routine. Just like any sort of part of our pedagogy, part of our philosophy, when we start something new, it can there can be a learning curve. It can feel a little uncomfortable at first, and it can take us a little bit of, of an adjustment period to really embrace this structure of planning and the structure of teaching. But once you get into it, you'll never turn back because you'll realize that your greatest planning partner is really right under your nose and super keen to jump in. The truth is our littles have so many ideas, and when we give them the chance to share those ideas, we are creating an opportunity for learners to really show us how excited and invested they are in their education, and we're inviting them to become stakeholders in the daily learning that goes on in our classroom. So by the end of the episode today, I'm hoping that you feel ready and excited to welcome more than 20 new members to your planning team so you can freshen up your teaching practice. So first of all, what do I mean when I'm talking about co-creating and co-planning? So Basically, what we're talking about is involving our students in every single step of the way when it comes to planning. And you can do this working with one student one-on-one, you can do it in a small group, you can do it with your entire class as part of a circle, and really you're just working with a group of students of whatever size that is to decide what learning is going to be going on in the room. And yes, this can be part of an inquiry or a larger project, but it's not necessarily like that. It could totally just be a one-off center that you decide to plan together based on an interest that kind of shows up for that day, but it wanes out after a few days. And the things that you're planning is really everything that goes on in your room. You're planning for what goes on the tables, you're planning for the whole group lessons, you're planning what's going on in outdoor education, you're planning for games, you're decorating your classroom together, you're setting up your dramatic play. Every single thing that requires planning and setup you're going to try and do with your students. And this really comes back to one of my favorite mottos, which is to never do something a student could do. And of course, like we're using this within reason. Sometimes we just need to get things done in a specific way at a specific time frame. And obviously we're going to do those ourselves. But there is so much value in including our students and giving them that and giving them that responsibility, that independence as much as possible. So when we remove all of these rules and expectations and roles that we've probably put on ourselves and we open up that door and we allow students to do whatever they want and we invite students to do whatever they can in whatever capacity they can to help us, there's so much value in this. 
Not only is it increasing engagement because they have a clear idea in their head about what they're planning, there's excitement building up while they're prepping it, they've been maybe thinking about it all weekend, and they're going to come into class with a plan ready to go. We're increasing their investment and ownership of the learning, which means that, you know, they're going to help keep the materials tidy, make sure they're properly cared for, clean up the classroom, use the center properly, because they are the ones who planned the center. They understand completely what they wanted to do there, what they wanted to accomplish. And maybe they're going to then go explain that to their friends, or maybe they're going to play there themselves. But either way, they are the ones who have the highest stake in this center, not you. It also really helps create that community and build those relationships that we're always craving in kindergarten by allowing them the opportunity to take on some control, take on some ownership, take on some responsibility, take on that planning piece. We are showing them this is your classroom as much as it is mine. It's not that the educator is here, the director of learning. It's that we're all in this together and we're learning together. And this creates a major buzz around their learning. It's also great because honestly, It can help our littles feel that sense of accomplishment and even pride for a lot of them. For example, when I had parent-teacher interviews one night, we had these co-created books out that were photographs and documentation that our littles basically made to document their own learning. And this was the thing that they pulled their parents over to look at because they were so proud to showcase their learning in this formal book, this, you know, tangible thing that they could show their parents and say, look what we did together, look what we learned. And the final kind of thing that makes this so amazing is honestly, it's just way less work for you. You don't have to do the planning by yourself. You're inviting them to do the planning with you. And it can use up a significant portion of your day if you want it to. And to be honest, sometimes this is a huge win in kindergarten. Sometimes the days can feel long and we really need something to help us push that play along in that hour-long play block. If we're working with a small group to do our planning for the week, You're getting that amazing one-on-one time to build those relationships. You can be recording awesome things for your documentation, and you're knocking your planning off in a way that's going to increase their engagement. It's really just a win-win-win-win situation. And now I know I am always going to be the first one to talk to you about how we're not working in these unicorn classes where everyone is you know, perfectly untasked and behavior is extremely easy to manage and we have all the time in the world to do things. I'm talking about real life classes and real life scenarios here. So in terms of when you're actually going to accomplish this co-creating and co-planning, personally, I find it easiest to carve out time during those play blocks like we talked about, pulling kids either as a small group or just pulling kids as interest emerges. If you notice, you know, the sensory bin is getting no love anymore, then you just ask, does anyone want to come help me switch out the sensory? bin and you work on it together. When you pick a small group to help you, you can either do that open offer like I just said, or maybe you're going to strategically pick some friends based on either those who are needing a break from the hustle and bustle of the classroom or those who showed an interest earlier on with whatever center you're thinking of swapping out. And together you're going to work with them to co-plan and co-create and you can use this as your evaluation and assessment. Why not? You can be looking for things like who has a clear idea? How are they communicating? What problem solving is going on? What considerations are being made and being accounted for? There is so many things that we can be looking out for and recording while we work through this co-creation process. So you're not strictly doing your planning. You're doing your planning, you're bonding, you're creating community, you're increasing that engagement, and you're getting valuable assessment done. 
And you're going to accomplish this by using what's called a gradual release of responsibility method. And if you've never heard about this, it it does kind of depend on your group how long it's going to take you. But the idea is that at first, you are going to be the one who's very involved in the co-creation process. But slowly over time, you're going to remove yourself. You're going to gradually release that responsibility. And slowly, you're going to do less and less and less until they are essentially co-planning, co-creating, co-setting up everything that needs to be set up completely independently. And like I said, this totally depends on your group on how long it's going to take. You might have some friends who take to it right away. You could have other friends that need a lot more hand-holding, a lot more collaboration time with you, and maybe by April or May, they're going to be really taking on those more independent roles. There's no rules on how fast you should be progressing through this gradual release. You just have to kind of play it by ear and trust your gut. And I would always recommend starting with explicit modeling. Explicit modeling is great because you can use that kind of think aloud strategy to show them your process when you're planning. So you can start out by just planning as you normally do, but then you're going to tell them what you planned, why you planned it and how you picked the materials and maybe why you didn't pick other things. So on, you know, Tuesday morning this week, you're going to go in and you're going to say, okay, Today, friends, I put out this loose part center. I'm so excited about it. I picked out all these amazing loose parts for you to play with. I was thinking we could work on patterning and we could do AB patterns, ABC patterns. So maybe I would do like leaf, pumpkin, apple, leaf, pumpkin, apple. And I was going to put out pom-poms, but I thought the pom-poms might blow away. So instead, I decided to use these mini erasers. And you're just going to give them this kind of backstory. And it's not going to be a big deal the way you present it. It doesn't need to be this huge formal lesson, but you're just explaining your thought process to them. And this is going to help them when it comes time for them to think out what materials they're going to use, because they will be thinking back and, you know, recalling when you talked about what you picked, and they'll use those same sort of tools to help them pick appropriate materials themselves. Thinking aloud can be uncomfortable at first. (laughs) You might be, you know, feeling like, oh, this is so pointless and so awkward and weird. But the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. And there's so much value in allowing our littles that inside look into our brains and how we make connections and how we make decisions in our classroom. Now, there are some requirements to co-creating, and I'm not talking about budget expectations or time expectations or requirements like that. I'm talking about personal things you might need to overcome in order to have success with co-creation. And... This could make you a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to challenge you to give it a fair shot before you decide if co-creation is for you or not for you. And the first thing it's going to require is an open mind. We need to go into this expecting that there's going to be a learning curve, expecting that it's not going to be perfect at first, and just that we need to go into it curious and believing that our littles are going to succeed. It's also going to require you to give up some control. And this can be hard to do because we're no longer going to be seeking out to make those amazing Pinterest, Instagram worthy centers that our littles probably don't care about as much as we do. And we're giving up that control and that sort of sense of everything matching everything in the classroom because maybe their idea for a center is going to be completely non-seasonal, completely new compared to everything else you've been learning, using things you would never put together. And that's okay. We're going to let them take the reins and see where it goes. You're also going to be required to have very clear expectations. You can't just say, okay, plan a center and then walk away. 
We need to really use that thinking aloud, that gradual release of responsibility to have clear expectations, not only about the types of things they're putting out and how they're doing it, but how we're going to be working together and making sure that we're not using all the materials at once, that we're not making a huge mess in the supply cupboard, that we're not putting everything out just because we're a kid in a candy store allowed to look in the supply cupboard for the first time. Clear expectations about what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's also going to require ongoing communication, ongoing checking in with your littles throughout the planning process, when play is happening, when they're setting it up, when they're getting materials, when we're tidying up, just ongoing communication with them. Not hovering, but just asking them, okay, what's going on? What are we doing next? Hmm, do you think that's a good idea? What if this happens? Things like that. And finally, it's going to require you to have a a level of preparedness to switch it up and let it go if things are not going well. You might have littles super excited about setting up a brand new tabletop center and it's a total flop. No one cares. They play with it for maybe 15 minutes and then the interest is gone. It was fun to set it up, but it it didn't really do anything. That's fine. You're just going to switch it up after that. And you just have to be prepared that we're not focusing on a Monday to Friday center schedule. We're focusing on interest and we're just being prepared that things could go on for one day. Things could go on for four days. Things could go on for two weeks and All of those are perfectly acceptable levels of time for a center to be out. So I'm going to leave you with just a few examples of some of the things I love to co-create with my littles. Dramatic play is a really easy one to get started in because you can use predominantly paper and crayons and chalk and whatever to set up amazing dramatic play areas that your kids will actually enjoy playing in. And what I like about doing this is that sometimes when we set up more fancy dramatic play areas like a movie theater or space center or whatever, our kids don't actually have enough narrative, enough experience to then actually play there. And it reverts back to being a house or a classroom anyway, or it sits empty. When we invite them into the co-creation process, there's a lot of education that can go on during that time. When we're, if we're setting up a movie theater, we can talk about, okay, what do we need? Tickets? What should we make tickets for? What do we use tickets for? What do the tickets need to say? How much should they cost? And then when they go into play, they'll have that information already front loaded into them, which can help them have something to do, something to actively play when it comes time for that. Another thing I love to co-create is small world. Butcher paper goes a long way, let me tell you. You can set up a backdrop, you can set up the ground, you can draw roads, you can paint mountains and forests. You can transform your dollhouse into pretty much anything just by changing up the scene behind it. And again, we're not looking for perfection here. If we're coloring outside the lines or there's paint splatters that don't make it look 100% like a real thing, that's totally fine because in their mind, in their imagination, they had so much intention, they're going to see what they want to see, not what's actually there. And we're striving for that engagement, that interest, that stakeholder relationship. We're not striving for a Pinterest perfect center. Sensory play is one that I do sometimes set up on my own because I genuinely love it, but most of the time it's one that I will always invite my littles to participate in with me, especially the swapping out of them. So I'm not going to be out here fishing through my sensory bin, my water table, pulling out all the materials. This is a great kid job that goes back to that model of never do something a kid a student could do. They're going to go through, they're going to pull everything out, wash it, lay it on a towel, and then we're going to put new materials in together. 
And finally, your decor around the room. It's so valuable and so important for our littles to see themselves represented in their own classroom and to really feel at home there. So rather than focusing on, you know, having um, the most beautiful, aesthetically pleasing alphabet line or number line, when we invite our littles to co-create that, they're then going to be so much more aware of it and use it more actively as a tool. Rather than it just kind of blending into the background and not being used, it's going to be something that they know is there, they feel connected to it, and it's going to be utilized a lot more. And I'm going to leave you with just one final thing to think about while you start your co-creation journey. And that's just that even when it starts getting overwhelming or messy or challenging for you to take on this new philosophy, I want you to remember the point. I want you to remember the beginning of this episode where we talked about the value and how much is going into co-creation and how much the kids are getting out of it. And use that to push yourself forward and to keep getting into that habit because the more you co-create, the easier it's going to get. So we'll end it here today and I will see you next time on Kindergarten Kept Simple. Until then, have a lovely rest of your day, lovely rest of your week, and don't forget to check in with me on Instagram at A Playful Purpose or send me an email at mariah at a playfulpurpose.com. 